Hey, what's up, Internet? I'm Dan Casey, and welcome to today's episode of Nerdist News Talks Back. It's our weekly over-the-top talk show about all things pop culture, and thank you so much for joining us. Now, on today's show, we have a doozy for you because Tim Burton is at it again, and this time he's moving in with the Addams Family. Plus, the Power Rangers are also getting rebooted. Again, I know I feel the exact same way as you do. And from there, we'll talk about everything from The Mandalorian Season 2 to what exactly is going on with Zack Snyder's Justice League and Oscar Isaac possibly joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Moon Knight. All of that plus some Halloween trivia on today's Nerdist News Talks Back. But before we get to all of that, let's meet today's amazing panel. So first of all, she's a writer and critic for Slash Film, the host of the Millennial Falcon podcast and the Trekking Through Time and Space podcast. It's Huai Chen Bui. Hey, thanks for having me on. I am so stoked to have you on today. We're going to have fun. Now, next up, she's the host of the Something Scary podcast. You've seen her everywhere from Hunter's Entertainment to Collider Video to DC Daily to right here on Nerdist doing all sorts of amazing interviews. It's Marquia McCarty. Hey, Dan. Hey, everyone. Uh, <laughs> excited to talk about our stuff today. <laughs> yeah, we, this is going to be a fun episode. We, we're going to get into it. <laughs> Now, last but not least, she is a writer extraordinaire for outlets like IGN, Esquire, and Nerdist, and her graphic novel, The Haunted High Tops, is available now. It's Rosie Knight. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. I'm so stoked to be here. This is such a rad panel. And yeah, Haunted High Tops, art by Fran Bueno, amazing artist. So yeah, always going to shout out. Yeah, I have out. to say, I love the, uh, the cover image alone, like super, super chilling stuff. It's getting to write a kid's horror comic is like my dream because I grew up with Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark and all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. Yeah, got a scary new generation of readers. <laughs> <laughs> the dream. All right, folks, let's get this show on the road. So it's time for our weekly segment that we here at Nerdist like to call, Should You Still Be Wearing a Mask in Public This Week? Well, let me think about it real quick. Yes. The answer is going to be yes until there's a vaccine, and then probably for quite some time after that too. But anyway, don't be a don't be a fool. Wear a mask. Be be responsible. Anyway, moving right along. So speaking of horror, this is uh, well the most intentionally spooky day of the year. Halloween is coming up later this week, this coming Saturday. And while this year has kind of felt like a nonstop horror movie in many aspects, I imagine that many of us right now are turning to horror movies, TV shows, anime, etc., for a thrilling, chilling escape this spooky season. So for our viewers out there, and more specifically for me, I'd like to know from the panel, what's your favorite underrated or underseen, underappreciated horror story that you love sharing with others? So, Hoi-chan, let's start with you. Um, I wonder if this is a cheat because I wonder if Hannibal is considered underrated. I adore Hannibal and I was, I am actually more of a newcomer to the horror genre. I was scared stiff of a lot of horror movies and TV shows up until pretty recently, but Hannibal, I got straight into right away, even before I was admit, an admitted fan of horror. And I just love Brian Fuller's gothic Baroque vision of Hannibal the Cannibal. Mads Mikkelsen is amazing in the role. <laughs> and every, every episode of, of that show just disturbed me profoundly and unsettled me. And it was a show that I think I binged for a little bit and had to pause because it, mm. it was just almost too much. But it's a show that like just got under my skin and settled in my brain. And I remember and love very deeply. I would say that is a perfect choice because A, you can watch it all right now on Netflix. It is super unsettling. Some of the best food photography, including mm -hmm. all of those cooking shows as well. And yeah, it's just like 
great performances, some really like deeply like messed up uh, cases and murders in there. And it's something that, uh, yeah, it gets under your skin in all the best ways. And Rosie, you actually got to uh, uh, host the reunion panel for us earlier this oh, year. I did, it was so amazing. And I love Hannibal so much. That's the perfect pick. Cause also it got canceled. Loads of people didn't see it. It came out like eight years ago or something. So it's really, I think that's a perfect suggestion because for a lot of people who haven't seen it, it's now accessible. I think it's about to go on Hulu, which means it will be on Amazon, Netflix and Hulu. So any of those services. Also, yeah, Janice, Janice Poon absolute just queen of food photography and that every time I watch that show it blows my mind that it was on broadcast tv like NBC allowed that show to be on it and it <laughs> yes. has one of my Amazing. favorite American censorship stories which is like there's an episode where the killer like does these really brutal killings let's not spoil it but there, there's two people on there on their knees and NBC was like, oh, I'm not sure we'll be able to put this on. And Brian was like, yeah, I thought I pushed it a bit too far. And he was like, you can see their butt cracks. So just pour more blood. And that was like, <laughs> he just had to cover the butt cracks with blood. But the actual fact that there was just this absolutely nightmarish, like R-rated murder wasn't an issue. And yeah. I, I just love that so much. The imagery like, got so insanely grotesque. Like there was mm -hmm. that one case where they had like the Mexican um necktie I think that was called oh yeah 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 um, I was just I was shocked I think I watched that one live and I was like how did this end up on tv but yeah, is this I, a bad thing to admit that um every time I watched Hannibal I got a little hungry afterwards no I felt <laughs> no, the no, same I was, way I, I, was, I was just about to say like um uh thanks to Hannibal and I Zombie, it's like oh maybe eating people is okay yeah. <laughs> it might be delectable like who knows if you if you just use the right seasonings or pair it with the right wine it could really be like very special <laughs> yeah just put a little of that trader joe's everything bagel seasoning on there and you're off to <laughs> races hot sauce to match the yeah. red you know <laughs> makes everything better um but rosie what same question to you what what's your uh pick for an underrated or underappreciated horror story you like to share with others i've been really going back to like i'm really i always have this great idea i'm gonna make a list of all these cool movies and seen and then i just watch the same like five things every halloween but <laughs> what, my real 100 percent like you should go and watch it right now is um blood quantum which is just the most amazing uh, indigenous zombie movie from canada and it's just super cool and subversive and really raw and just one of the best horror movies i've seen in years and my other option of like you should watch something bad that i like is uh hellraiser 4 which is called hellraiser bloodline i'm a big fan of every hellraiser movie and um even the really really bad ones but bloodline is actually one of my favorites because it's basically about the history of the lament box but it's two movies that they basically smush together so it starts in space and it's also set like in the french revolution so it's the historical epic entry into the horror franchise and the space entry and it has adam scott as like a sexy french revolution masochist uh yeah so it's just amazing and i 10 out of 10 would recommend watching that movie it's it's so it's so good. And actually a lot of people, I didn't really, I hadn't really revisited it until I ranked all the Hellraiser movies for Nerdist. And it was like kind of in the middle for me then. Cause I, I was thinking I was really still, I love Clive Barker. So the original is like very high to me, but my friend messaged me on Twitter and was like, bloodline should have been higher. And I was like, maybe I'll rewatch it. <laughs> and I rewatched it and I was like, this is so fucking, I mean, this is so good. Like this is really, really good. And I, I love it. Hellraiser 3, also good. It's a nightclub movie, which is one of my favorite things. Any horror movie with a rave or, or a nightclub is always very entertaining. So yeah, late stage Hellraiser. 
Yeah, I have to say uh, on that nightclub note, I will be forever scarred when I saw Blade way too young in the, oh. the blood rave scene. And I was just like, I, I had to leave the theater and come back in. I was just like, very susceptible to vampire imagery at that age. So I'll have <laughs> I, to revisit worked, that um, then. I worked Halloween Horror Nights uh, and they had like a Blade room and <gasps> literally had like the whole blood thing. Like, That's like, so cool. like it, it was the area where people didn't walk. <laughs> But it's like blood on the walls and we're like rave wear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I like the I like the idea that there's a hidden rave section of Halloween Horror Nights out there somewhere as well. <laughs> uh, but Marquia, what, what would you, what would your pick be for this? Ah, well, um, I am a huge horror person. Like a, it's it's ridiculous. Um uh, so the one that I, I say to people, because it, it's surprising how many people don't know about this, um, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight uh, is like so underrated. It is, it's everything that you would want. If you like jump scares, you got jump scares. If you're more of an evil dead army of darkness kind of person, they got you. Um, it, it's it, oh, if you if you like your um, just like grotesque, like, oh, my God, why are they? Oh, I feel like it's on my skin. If you're, <laughs> if you're that kind of person, Demon Knight has got you. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're a person that likes to have social commentary along with your horror, like kind of like how Jordan Peele does with uh, Get Out and, and, and the such, then they have you. Uh, Jada Pinkett, before she was a Smith, is the, the lead in this. You have Billy Zane um, as the antagonist. And he is, believe me when I say it, it is, is him at his Billy Zaniest. Like he yes. is having <laughs> all, all of the fun with this. I mean, you, you watch him in this and you're just like, oh, I just want to lick my fingers and give him a chef's kiss because that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's how much fun he's having in this. You have CCH Pounder in it. Oh, and and then the plus uh dick miller dick miller i mean i i steadfastly believe that there's a dick miller universe uh and <laughs> like this sits right into the gremlins section of it <laughs> with him playing uncle willie in um in tales from the crypt I, i'm sorry tales from the crypt demon knight and and it's such a good premise that there have been other movies that have copied it and are not able to deliver it in the same way. I, uh, mm -hmm. I'm getting, I'm getting heated right now. I cannot even like say enough, just like rent it, buy it, watch it. And you'll yeah. see what I mean. It's actually, if you have AMC at the moment and you have any kind of cable package or AMC plus it's on there, they have that and uh, Bordello of Blood. I was watching Bordello of Blood just before I started, which are like the two um, spinoff yeah but jada pinkett one of the few as well that's one of the few like black led final girl kind of things you can make an argument oh with sana and avp God. i mean yeah this needs a sequel that's what it needs now that shutter is doing like creep creep show stuff you know they could definitely i feel like bring that that might even I, they might even have both of those on there but yeah that that definitely bring jada back as well everyone yes. everyone's loving like a nostalgic type vibe of, of somebody recoming and doing a, a great thing that's such a great pick yeah, I mean, I have to say, everyone I've talked to that watches has watched Demon Knight is an ardent fan of it. There's no like <laughs> casual Demon Knight fandom. They are like, 
you have to watch this movie. I was supposed to go to a screening with a friend of mine earlier this year. They were showing it on the big screen somewhere, uh, but then, you know, 2020 happened. Uh, so now I'll have to uh, watch it at home instead. So thank you for refloating that to the top of my mental uh, Netflix queue. So I'll definitely add that to my list. Um, but for my recommendation, I would go with, it's more of a psychological thriller and it's by one of the all-time great anime directors, Satoshi Kon. It's called Perfect Blue. Oh, and it yeah. is a fascinating look at identity, celebrity and uh fandom in a very creepy unsettling mm -hmm. way highly recommend you check it out it just got remastered i think in uh, a year or two ago um it's a pretty short movie too um so i don't think you'll regret it um but let's move away from uh horror recommendations to something that i don't know if anyone asked for but is happening anyway because <laughs> they're creepy they're kooky they're mysterious and spooky and they're ready for a rebooty i'm so sorry about this they're the adams family yes i do regret saying oh, yeah. that but here we are <laughs> last week news broke that tim burton is looking to reboot the adams family with a brand new live action series so my first question is why? And my second question is, what would you want to see from Tim Burton's Adams Family? So Marquia, let's start with you on this one. Okay. Uh, so why? Money, 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 money. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I would want to see, I mean, if, if we're going to have this, if we're going to have this thing, uh, then I, I would not want it to all be from the perspective of Wednesday Adams. I, I know that mm -hmm. um, it has definitely leaned in that direction. And I believe I was even reading some things today about it where it's just like, oh, it's going to be Wednesday Adams in today's world and everything. Yes, we love Wednesday Adams. We love her. But it's, it's the entire family. And I mean, keeping in mind, we've done a very heavy Wednesday Adams focus um, when it comes to movies, when, when it comes to... Um, uh, just TV properties in general. And then of course that brings to mind, uh, I, I'm sure everybody here has seen it, um, Melissa Hunter's Adult Wednesday Adams uh, series that she did on online. If you haven't seen it, haven't seen watch it. it. I mean, that that's like sweet spot Adult Wednesday Adams. So what I would want is I, I wanna focus more on the family within the world again, because mm -hmm. that's that's the thing. That's that's the embracing their differences and then seeing that out in the world. It doesn't all have to be from Wednesday's, you know, point of view or, or so much focus on her. I mean, cause come on. I mean, uh, Morticia Gomez, like horny uh -huh. on Maine 24 seven. I want to say, <laughs> I, I love energy. that chemistry. Let's yeah, we, need, we need that. It's more than it's more than Wednesday. And if they really want to get into it, let's see some more of the extended family. Let's see some uh -huh. cousin it you know, in there. I mean, and, and who's, who's going to play cousin <laughs> Jim Carrey, maybe Jim Carrey. <laughs> I think he'd love that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I like that as well. Like making the focus on the wider family and not just having Wednesday be our POV character, because we get so much of her POV from already existing Adam's family, uh -huh. whether it's the animated series or the movies. I'd love to see uh, almost like a Goldberg style framing device from the thing's perspective where it has voiceover and just frames each episode. Um, just that like weird, creepy, crawly hand because I don't think uh, the thing gets enough play. Uh, but I'm <laughs> you curious, know what would be a uh, really good thing with that? Um, if y'all remember um, uh, Enre the cat, where it was just Andre like- the cat, yeah. Andre, Andre the cat, have something like that for uh, <laughs> for thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Just have them, you just have them ride it like a little skeletal cat mount. Uh, <laughs> but I'm curious, uh, what do you make of the Tim Burton of it all? How do you think that uh, a 
filmmaker and creative like that can uh, enhance or add his own flair to something like the Adams Family. So Hua Chen, let's start with you. So I kind of sighed a little bit when I heard mm -hmm. the news that Tim Burton was doing an Adams Family series because it's just so expected, you know? And I feel like Tim Burton has been creatively stunted for the past decade, even more. And I want, I wish that he would do something that is something more out of his comfort zone. And Adam's family just feels so in that comfort zone. And like Marquia was saying, it's money, money, and it's easy money for mm -hmm. him. He just kind of is, uh, can do this in his sleep at this point. And I want to see something that's more than just him sleepwalking. I want to see him try something different, try something new, not do like the same kabuki mask type of um, gothic storytelling that he's been doing mm -hmm. for the past decades two decades so I yeah I just wish that he I want him to do something more interesting maybe more funny comedic I know he's always excelled at the fairy tale stuff and I while I have like a, I'm a big sucker for fairy tale stuff I wonder like I don't know if he could uh, if him doing that would like bring anything new to the Adams family so I just I just want to see him do something new do, maybe doing something yeah. even funny and light and um, not what we expect yeah I think it felt a little on the nose. It felt like uh, an AI was just like, well, this makes sense. This is something he would do. And then just like a neural net just like plopped out that deadline story. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious, uh, is there a property you think could actually benefit from a Tim Burton adaptation, Rosie? I do. I just want to quickly as well, just just quickly, because it's still on the Tim Burnerville. I mean, this is a guy who said that like people of color don't fit his aesthetic. So to me, I'm just like, why are you like, what, what does that even mean? And especially when like Oscar Isaac and Ruth Negger are like the dream Gomez and, and Morticia, if oh you're going to do God, something that, new. That would be so good. Yes. Everything you guys yes. said, I think is totally true. Ironically, I think if Tim Burton has had some personal growth, has some good people around him, is willing to change the idea of what the Adams family is, even though everyone knows Gomez is Latinx. Um, I think him going back to what he's written, like an Ed Wood style, like full black and white, really committed to the bit Adams family could be amazing. Cause actually I don't like the CG stuff. I agree with um, those like, I would like, what if he did something like, not that we need it, but like a I love Lucy style or bewitched or something that's like, he can take that campy joy and that he loves and kind of, put that twist on it because I feel like ever since he really left the deep goth aesthetic like the Batman Returns kind of stuff he's you know Alice in Wonderland all that high CG it doesn't really work so something maybe trying to change the tone like doing something that's funny and because Alice in Wonderland was another thing where for years people were like that would be the perfect Tim Burton project and it happened and it was like was it though same with Dark Shadows you know so mm. it being kind of so expected I think could be the problem and could be like mean that there's something kind of lacking there. And I think that as the weirdest thing is in a prestige TV landscape, I was just thinking of, um, did any of you guys watch Alias Grace? It's like this super amazing, okay, it's so amazing. It's, it's well, I thought it was really great. It's on Netflix. It's a, a Margaret Atwood story adapted and it's about a woman who is a murderess maybe. And it's just about her kind of life in prison and, and trying to get out of prison in like ye old days but it's all directed and written by Sarah Polly, which you would just never expect, right? And that's the kind of thing, like Tim Burton could be doing all these kind of weird prestige shows and just doing like Karen Kusama, just going and directing an episode here or an episode there and feeling out his feeling for TV, rather than anytime something being announced, it's like this 
oh, it's going to be his show, his aesthetic. It's like, just go and make some good TV if you want to do that. Like there's so much space for directors to take on new, weird, exciting projects. And it doesn't always have to be about them first. It can be about like the storytelling and the show first. So yes, it's, it's a lot. I, I sighed very heavily when I heard it. Cause yeah. I love, I, and I even love that. I, I liked the new Adams family. It wasn't as good that the animated film, it wasn't as good as the classic stuff, but like Marquia said, it's, it's completely from Wednesday's point of view. It's all about Wednesday fitting into this wider world. So it sounds like they're just retreading what they did like a year ago, which seems kind of wild to me too. Yeah, I think they're hoping that we'll all think that 2020 was this weird fugue state and not remember anything that <laughs> happened before or after. Um, which, I mean, to be fair, they're not that far off. But uh, yeah, I, I would like to see uh, them you know, change things up a little bit, not just give us more of the same, but with uh, more stylized cobwebs and eventual Bone Daddy merchandise <laughs> like they sell for Nightmare Before Christmas. In the chat, we have Loke Desaad 6 saying, I'll never be able to shake Raul Julia as Gomez Adams. As for Tim Burton's vision, Danny DeVito as cousin it. Um, okay, all right. And- but any Danny DeVito, I'll take <laughs> I'll Danny DeVito. I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah, and you I mean, should look, be the casting director. Or hear me out. Use CG Danny DeVito as Lurch, or just the like Hobbit style perspective camera. Just force it. Like and just make that. him seem incredibly tall. <laughs> Subvert just, our expectations. I love that. Just a giant DeVito. Yeah. Or just have short, the house. Or just have short Lurch. That's the uh, giant. <laughs> giant sort of like DeVito sounds like a DeVito. creepypasta. Giant DeVito definitely sounds like a creepypasta. Like something <laughs> that you'd just see in the woods somewhere. I was watching what, an episode and I Slender saw Man him. DeVito. <laughs> Standing at my window. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's leave this uh, reboot behind and talk about a different reboot because folks, Morphin Time is a flat circle because the Power Rangers are once again getting rebooted. Last week, the Hollywood Reporter, Hollywood reported that the I'm not okay with this creator, Jonathan Entwistle is shepherding a new series of TV and movie adaptations for everyone's favorite Super Sentai squad. Now this is coming just three years after the 2017 reboot and it's supposedly going to be part of a connected story universe that'll cross multiple platforms. So mm. I'm curious how, I mean, I'm, I don't know why they can't stop rebooting Power Rangers because I, I understand like there's a new Power Rangers series almost every year, but those are part of a kind of like broader continuity because you're incorporating all the Super Sentai footage from Toei and the original stuff. And it has like a loose, like they all feel part of the same universe. But with this, it sounds like they're really starting from scratch. So is the shared cinematic universe model still viable if you're not something like a Marvel or a DC? Um, uh, Rosie, let's start with you on this one because I see you shaking your head I'm just, I'm mad about the whole thing. I love original Super Sentai. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Power Rangers, even though I do think this all goes back to this problem that Saban had for a long time and I think Hasbro has too now, where they basically denied any connection to Super Sentai. I watched like a 20th anniversary thing made by some uh, geek website and it was a big deal, like a documentary. They never mentioned Super Sentai once. They never mentioned Toei once. They made they basically talked about it as if the people in the show were doing the stunts. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, what is this fake mythos you're building? Um, the main reason that, you know, the cinematic universe tie-in model, it can work, but I don't think it's the most powerful thing. Look at the stuff that DC has been doing that people like the most, you know, Aquaman, that's just completely random campy magic. like. Joker, I hated it, but people really liked it and it has nothing to do with anything. You know, 
I love the 2017 Power Ranger movie, even though it was not to do with Toei. And I think that was the biggest problem was no action, but they were such lovely children and I love them all so much. They were such sweet, good kids and the characters were really good and the writing was good and they played the Power Rangers theme. And, and I thought it was, I thought it was on the way to doing something good, but they just, I think it's a toy thing. It's weird because I don't think toys sell that much and they still sell a lot of toys from the Power Rangers series. But it must be something like that because I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get why if the last one didn't work, wait a while. And if the last yeah. one didn't work and it's not to do with Toei, get Toei back involved. Like people want to see those crazy acrobatics or cast stunt people, you know, cast stunt people. Like, like they did with the yeah, original think, Mighty Morphin. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah, think, I think that... Sorry, go ahead. We all have so many Power Rangers thoughts. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just like piggybacking off of what Rosie said. And and the only reason I can think of like they're, that they're, you know, like all this cutting ties, all this rebooting is that it, it feels like it's money reasons. I mean, it, it feels like it's like, okay, we're going to rebuild with this. So then we only have to pay people up to this point for utilizing everything. Yeah. And it's like, no, don't do that. That makes things bad. It's like, oh, you're, you're already, you're already building off of the name for it. Mm -hmm. So just like, go ahead and, and stand on the, you're standing on the shoulders of giants without giving the giants their due, uh, type of a deal. And it's like, just please just share, <laughs> just please, <laughs> please just share that wealth. You've, yeah. You're you're tapping into this fan base that, you know, it's been decades of time being built up to this point. So just like respect that, respect that and embrace it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think yeah, that and we've seen enough like dead cinematic universes at this point mm -hmm. that it's been proven that this model of going cinematic universe first doesn't work, yeah. RIP dark universe. <laughs> So it's the just, dark universe. Yes, it just it just seems like a a failed strategy from the start, and something that is so financially motivated that it's going to turn off any fans who are dedicated to the franchise because they know that it's just a cash grab and a soulless one at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you look at there's a report from a website called the Illuminati, which great name, uh, and they the report said that Hasbro is looking to end their relationship potentially with Toei, the Japanese studio that produced the original Super Sentai show and the footage that's been used in every U.S. Power Rangers series for nearly three decades now. Now, obviously, that could mean like major changes for the franchise moving forward, especially if that means they have to make their own source material. But I do think that is going to be a huge divide in like what we can expect from Power Rangers past and Power Rangers future. Now I saw someone in the chat, uh, I believe it was um, Megalo Blazemon who says he's absolutely hyped, especially if it's totally similar to the comics. Now the Boom Studios comics have been uh, doing some really fascinating stuff, but they're still relying on that old canon. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, I feel like they're probably gonna go back to the Mighty Morphin well and like sort of resurrect these characters that were such a touchstone for so many people. But I think that you diminish its effectiveness. It's like with Spider-Man, people were exhausted by the time we got to Tom Holland. And if Tom Holland hadn't nailed it, then I think people would just be burnt out on Spidey. Like yeah. I love Spider-Man, but even I was rolling my eyes when uh, Sony and Marvel were like, guess what? Someone else's uncle died and now he's a Spider-Man. It's the same thing with like, guess what? These five teens from Angel Grove have, uh, they found a guy in a tube and now they have cool suits. Like it, you have to like establish some continuity. You have to respect the fan base because they are super passionate. I've been fortunate enough. Mm -hmm. I got to moderate some panels at, um, at Morphicon and stuff like that in the past. And 
everyone I've talked to, they're awesome. They're super passionate about this. They're super passionate about tokusatsu, about Super Sentai stuff. They care about this and they just want to see something that's good. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to knock the intent of the creatives involved because I'm sure they are trying to put their best foot forward, but it's hard not to feel cynical in the face of so many reboots in such a short amount of time. And also, if that report proves to be true, I'm a little worried about what that means for the future of Power Rangers. Maybe yeah. it's what they need to succeed in the modern era, but I question it from a fan perspective. So I think I, as I'm well, little... like the the whole, I think like the whole thing of like who they've chosen to do it. Like I know everyone loves that show, and and the comic is really powerful and stuff. Like, but it's like gritty white kids. Like this, you're taking something that comes from like Tokusatsu why aren't you doing why aren't you using the fact like that that is an incredible property that is just has built in kind of history and you can I don't know I just feel like it's such a waste to lean away from that and I also think now people love tokusatsu people are, look at spider-man right bringing up spider-man again because what doesn't include spider-man but like even in Into the Spider-Verse right which did something different that changed who the lead was they had a tokusatsu uh, reference you know they had Lepidon from the original tokusatsu spider-man show like there is space for this stuff to be inclusive and to be reverential it doesn't have to be like a cash grab of like let's cut out the original creators and then we'll make like a cool version it's like I don't want to see a version where somebody's wearing like a checkered shirt and they're like oh it's so tough to be a power ranger and they don't know how to do a backflip <laughs> like why would i watch that what has that got to do with and it's anything? all cut together from like very yeah. shaky cam that is obviously intercut stunt doubles with the actor <laughs> yeah exactly you know yeah it's just uh, i worry that it's going to lack the charm of uh what we've come to know and love but only time will tell but you know what time will also tell that baby yoda is back this friday because folks the mandalorian's coming to disney plus for season two seamless transition dan nailed it now we've seen a lot of reports and teases for this season that fan favorite characters like ahsoka tano boba fett and commander rex are joining the cast just to name a few so i want to touch on this briefly before we move on because we have some bigger fish to fry but i'm curious are you worried that they are tying the Mandalorian storyline back to existing canon too much by introducing these characters we've seen before in other mediums? Or do you think that they're, uh, they enhance the story by grounding it in what we know so far? Because I've come down on either side of the fence because it's cool to see certain characters like in live action for the first time, but also part of my thrill with the Mandalorian was seeing new characters, a new part of the universe we haven't seen before, and like zero Skywalkers in any direction. So uh, uh, why don't we start with you? Yeah, before um, we got on camera, I talked about how I haven't seen any of the Star Wars animated shows. So I'm coming in almost completely fresh to The Mandalorian, only having seen the main saga, like Skywalker Saga films and all the other Star Wars films. And I found The Mandalorian so refreshing in how, yeah, like you said, it's an unexplored corner of the universe and it felt like something new and unexpected. And even if there are references to for example, the space wizards um, that are the Jedi, I think that it just leaves so much room for all these kind of different adventures and that feels very in line with the Western meets Ronin genre that the Mandalorian is doing, the lone wolf and the cub type storytelling, which feels like you could just tell endless stories in that universe. But at the same time, I don't begrudge them going into the Star Wars canon because Dave Filoni, who was a major creative force in The Mandalorian and you know, created Star Wars 
Rebels, I think, and uh, mm-hmm. and was a hand had a hand in other animated shows like Clone Wars. He has, you know, a, a passion and um, um, affection for the characters he created in those shows. So I don't blame him for wanting to bring those characters to live action. And you know, we have all the frenzied, breathless coverage of who's going to play so and so in live action. So it does lead to a lot of coverage. I can't really say as much until I see it how ha- see how it works in on t- like the screen and in season two. So if it's seamless and if it doesn't feel like it's taking away and being too much of that sort of fan um, pandering, then I'm fine with it. But I did feel like some of that, for example, in Solo, where they like kind of make nods to the greater Star Wars canon. And they're like, oh, hey, this is a character that everyone who watched these three animated shows will know, but it doesn't make any sense for the greater overall story. So we'll see. I, I don't begrudge them for now, but um, I, uh, I will I'll, uh, save my judgment for later. Yeah, I, I, as long as they don't tell us how Baby Yoda gets his last name, uh, I won't <laughs> begrudge them too much. Um, and I hope that some of these characters are there to provide some, maybe some context and fill in some uh, some holes in the canon to maybe tie things back to it. But I do sincerely hope they keep charting their own course because, as you mentioned, that has been one of the most exciting parts of this series. It feels new. It reminded me why I love Star Wars because it's this vast universe full of all these larger than life characters and seeing a new flavor of that has been really special. Um, now in the chat, we have that gray area saying the Mandalorian needs as much room to breathe as possible. Introducing Ahsoka could be a cool premise, but I think the story is better served by trying to pave its own way with its own character. So thank you, my alt account for posting that. I agree entirely. <laughs> Um, but let's move away from the Mando for a minute, um, and well, I guess for the rest of the show, and talk about something that I think there's been no controversy about in any way, shape, or form. I'm talking about the Snyder Cut, because holy reshoots, <laughs> Batman! Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is coming to HBO Max in a four-part miniseries, keeps getting bigger. With reported budgets of $70 million and counting, new characters being added seemingly every day, many are wondering if this is a crisis on infinite reshoots. What's going on with this film-turned-miniseries? Now, most recently it was reported that Jared Leto's returning to film additional scenes as the Joker, the character he portrayed in Suicide Squad. Joe Manganiello is taking a break from playing D&D to shoot additional scenes as Deathstroke. <laughs> we saw him briefly towards the end of the film, and he was at one point going to be the villain in Ben Affleck's solo Bat film, which eventually became went the way of so many Thomas and Martha Waynes. So my question to the panel is, what are your thoughts on them adding in additional characters and scenes like this? Because it is going to be longer than the movie by a factor of almost two. It's going to be four parts as opposed to one, like one film. So what are your thoughts specifically on people like Jared Leto uh, as Joker and Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke returning for additional scenes? Marquia, let's start with you. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. The Snyder Cut. Wow. I, I, um, I've I muted that on Twitter for years now. <laughs> that particular- I, I don't blame you. I don't blame yeah. you. It's a, it can be a very vocal fan base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like when I was working with DC Daily and that, that kept on coming up before it was uh, even a possibility. And now obviously it is it is reality, you know, for, for right now. Um, with this, I, okay. I liken it to, do you remember The Abyss, which is an excellent um, sci-fi story that happens, uh, you know, underwater. Uh, and it's it's a great story for, for it, there's a lot of different ways that people can take from that. And then there's the director's cut of The Abyss, which I love, which is like, 
four hours long and it is a ridiculous thing to watch. But because I love The Abyss, I also enjoy the director's cut. Cause for me, then it's just like, I get to see all around the corners of this film that I already love. Taking that feeling and then putting that on the Snyder cut. So with that, there are people that love this film. They love everything about it. I'm not one of the, these people. Um, I am not in love with this film, but I respect that there are people that do. So. In that case, if this, this reality for them has now happened where they get to have the Snyder cut, they get to have their director's cut of this movie that they love so that they can see around the corners and everything with it. If that's what we're doing, then fine. Do it all the way right. Go all the way, you know, kick that volume up to 11. Make sure that Ray Fisher and Amber Heard get their scenes. Make sure they get their scenes in if you're, if you're you know, if you're doing it for everybody else, you're definitely going to be doing it for a cyborg, uh, cyborg, uh, and uh, and Mira. It's like tell the whole full story if you're going to do it. Do I believe that this was a necessary thing? No, but I don't. I I don't sign that. That's not me. You know, um, I'm I'm not necessarily the demographic for this, but the demographic that they are focusing on with it is going to love it. So that's what I have to say about the Snyder cut. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I think that was very well put. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think as well, um, it's interesting because, you know, it's easy to focus on that extremely vocal fan base. Um, mm -hmm. And But I am also, you know, Zack Snyder originally left this project under very um, sort of tragic circumstances. Very tragic. With a personal tragedy. Um, and so I, I, I always try to remind myself that maybe this is a bit of closure for him to be able to like, sort of like make sure that he got to put out the product that he wanted to at the end of the day. $70 million is insane. Anyway, you slice it mm -hmm. for a movie that That's came out several years ago. It is- and that was supposedly complete? Yes. Yes, that, <laughs> yes exactly. That was uh, supposedly complete. I mean, you could, you could definitely tell that certain things were Frankenstein together, but that is the nature of these things. Like they were dealing with sort of extenuating circumstances. But I, I just, I, I wonder because the way this is ballooning, it almost like, it reminds me of like that episode of Parks and Recreation, for example, where um, uh, Chris Pratt's Andy Dwyer is trying to make the perfect anthem, um, I think for <laughs> uh, either Lil Sebastian or Pawnee. And he just keeps adding to it like a riff on uh, the Beach Boys a little bit, where he just keeps adding more and more insane and mm -hmm. like out of the out of the blue, like like we need a children's choir, we need an orchestra of didgeridoos, and it just feels like that to a certain degree. Um, like I'm curious, do you think these reshoots can actually enhance uh, what we got when we saw the Justice League versus what Zack Snyder intended, Rosie? I think that this. I agree, Marquia puts so much stuff really, really well. I think that it is very interesting to see who gets to have $70 million to make a TV show out of their movie that didn't do well. I want my biggest thing about this is like, do I think it's gonna make it better? For me, probably not. Like I really did not enjoy that movie. And I went into that movie with a very open mind. I love funny dad Aquaman, I loved, that terrible cover of come together now and it was like them and they're like i was like you know what if this is going to be like a funny dad superhero movie I, and, and it was not for me i can tell it was frankenstein together and aside from the 
the vocal fandom part, which we'll leave out. I don't think there's anything wrong with like a director's cut of this movie. I would actually, I, I, when people were like Snyder cut, Snyder cut, I was like, oh, a director's cut. Like, yeah, why not? $70 million to reshoot characters who were never in this movie is not, that's not a new cut of the movie. It's a new movie. And like, I was, my biggest question is like, if I just start talking about the Yan cut, does that mean, mean Warner Brothers is going to give Kathy Yan $70 million to make a Birds of Prey miniseries that is like about Black Canary or something? Because if so, then maybe I'll start great, doing actually. that in a polite way. I think that's the, my biggest issue is like, I, I think it is good that any artist gets to create something in their way. Like artistic freedom is very cool, but who gets that? Who gets to make a movie that is ostensibly, if rumors are to believe, was a flop? Like the same with, you know, the, they, we don't really know what, how much Justice League or Batman versus Superman cost, but they both were very expensive and they both didn't make very expensive money back that you would expect. Who gets $70 million? That's the question I have. Like, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't love it. I don't love what it represents, but in my dream world, would I love for it to be this really thing that pays off? It will never employ so many people and what so many people had to put up with, in my opinion. But it would be great if it was good. I would I would be really stoked if it was good and if Ray Fisher felt like he finally got the respect and 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 kind of the place he was meant to have. And if they they did that work, you know, Joe Manjin that's really fine. He's a good death stroke. I I I love the Titans death stroke. SA Morales is like 10 out of 10 casting. So but yeah, I mean, I, it's hard for me to have any feelings other than like, hmm, that's interesting. That yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely part of it. Like, I'm kind of just like raising an eyebrow every new headline I see because it doesn't feel real in a certain way. It feels like uh, like a money laundering scheme at a certain point because it started <laughs> with like $30 million, which was the cost of digitally erasing Henry Cavill's mustache instead of giving us Trucker <laughs> Superman. Um, and if, now it is more than double that. If we um, get mustache Superman, maybe it will be worth it. If they just yes, give I mean, him his look, mustache back. <laughs> But you could just do that by having like some talented youth deep fake that version in and it would look just as convincing as his horrifying grin at the beginning of the movie. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see what's going to happen there. Um, I want to make sure we have time to move on to uh, this last topic as well. So we're going to bid uh, the Snyder Cut adieu until 2021 when we all watch it for 900 hours straight. Okay, so folks, let me just jump right into this. That's no moon. It's a moon night because it's specifically Oscar Isaac leaving the galaxy far, far away, reportedly, for the spandex-clad climbs of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. On Monday, multiple outlets reported that Oscar Isaac is in talks to join Marvel's Moon Knight series for Disney Plus as the titular Moon Knight, Mark Spector. Now, for those who don't know, I have a full deep dive into Moon Knight's comic book backstory right here on Nerdist, but suffice to say, he's a mercenary turned vengeful avatar of an ancient Egyptian god turned TV producer turned crime fighter turned now streaming service superstar, I guess. So my question to the panel is, what are your thoughts on Oscar Isaac's casting in this role, especially in light of the fact that he seemingly didn't enjoy his time with Star Wars, so why would he want to sign up for the Marvel experience? So, uh, Chan, let's start with you. Well, this isn't the first time that Oscar Isaac has been in a Marvel or Marvel-adjacent superhero movie. Last, last time, he also played a comic book villain with equally <laughs> Egyptian ties. 
Um, And uh, this time he won't get to be covered under prosthetics and uh, just uh, put his hand on a TV and say learning the entire time. So I'm assuming it's because he's a little (laughs) bit more, he's a bit more of a fleshed out role than that. Um, I love Oscar Isaac. I think he's one of our most talented working actors today. And I think that he has a chameleonic presence and also a big charismatic quality to him that makes him one of the few like potential movie stars, like big stars of today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that while he was so charming in the Star Wars saga, it didn't quite serve him as much as it could have. And here he gets to be a lead in his own superhero series and get the spotlight. So maybe that's what I'm hope what I'm kind of uh, guessing is the appeal for him. He finally gets to be a lead and be as charismatic and play with so many personas as you said, because this character, I think, has this disassociative uh, personality disorder. So he gets to not only have a superhero spandex role, but also have some chewy, dramatic um, weight to um, the role. So I think that that's like part of the appeal to him. It's got that sort of cross-market appeal. And um, I think he just likes to have fun with characters. I honestly don't know much about Moon Knight, but it sounds very wacky from your descriptions of it and from my, what I read of it. So I feel like Oscar Isaac could um, sink his teeth into this role and have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's definitely a lot meatier than uh, what he was given with Poe for the most part in, uh, in Star Wars, because especially if this character is in the TV series, like even if it's like only uh, four episodes or something like however long Loki's going to wind up being, you're going to get to do a lot with this in a way that you might not get to with another project. And it seems like that uh, from outward appearances, at least that Marvel has their house a little bit more in order than the galaxy far, far away did on the cinematic side. Um, but I'm, I'm curious as well, like, you know, there, there are so many different shades of Moon Knight over the years. Um, like my favorite is like the, the meme ones that have been floating around where someone edited some panels to make it look like he's trying to chase down Dracula to get his money back. Um, but like there, there is a good sense of humor to this character as well, in spite of the kind of darkness within. So I'm curious, what would you like to see from a Moon Knight series? And what does this show need to do to set itself apart from the other Marvel offerings out there? Marquia? Yeah, um, I'm super excited about this. I mean, I, I remember like back when during uh, my uh, Marvel movie news days where we would just like speculate on what a Moon Knight series could be. And then like to have Oscar Isaacs now, uh, so as a possibility, just picturing Oscar Isaacs in like a white clad tuxedo as a detective consulting with the NYPD. It's like, um, is that the vapors or is that just- uh, (laughs) Like that, uh, more than likely, uh, Disney Plus is probably gonna grab onto the Warren Ellis run, uh, the, the 2014 run, which, yeah, where it's like Moon Knight, Knight, uh, Moon Knight, and then Mr. Knight. Um, the thing that I'm very interested in is the rogues gallery that they that they have to draw from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I particularly like Black Spectre, which is basically a picture a character that uh, sees Moon Knight. Okay, uh, just real quick. Uh, Black Spectre is a, a war veteran uh, who comes back. Um, his father was a washed out mayor type of a deal. And he comes back and realizes that there's no real place for him in society, which is so real. It's like, it's one of those things that, you know, Marvel Comics is really good at doing. Um, And then he sees Moon Knight and he's like, I can freaking do that. 
you know, I got that, I got that down. Uh, and he does it, but he does it in the way that it's just like, oh, oh, dude, don't do that. You know, um, yes, and that's Black Spectre. Yeah, kind of yeah. like the other side. I mean, he's not, he's not the big bad with Moon Knight. That's Bushman, um, who actually led to, uh, sorry, I'm going down, I'm going down a Moon Knight hole. Okay. Please, please. So, <laughs> uh, but going back for this particular this particular series. I mean, uh, one of the one of the major influences. If y'all haven't seen it, uh, the Raid Redemption, which oh, I recommend. Watch it. Watch it if you haven't. So good. Yeah, but it's like having that aesthetic along with Oscar Isaac's being able to go up against whoever it is that they get for this rogue gallery. You know, to go to go to go with them. It's like you can have the humor. You can have the gritty crappiness that can happen with Moon Knight like it's it gets sad it gets it gets real hit because it it, it deals with mental wellness uh along with being you know this this person that needs to go out and and do good you know do good in their own way and then along with that you have um you know the Egyptian god tie for all of this I mean who wouldn't want to be Moon Knight? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who yeah. wouldn't? I there's and plus with this, yes, they have Oscar Isaacs and talks with this. Sorry, I'm on a roll now. Uh, they have Oscar Isaacs and talks right now, but literally because you have this uh, dissociative um, identity disorder that you can have with this character, you can utilize other actors mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. alter egos. We That's could have Ruth Nega. We could have Ruth Nega mm -hmm. in there. That could happen. So it's like, I'm so excited <laughs> that they're doing this. And I just really, really, really hope that they, that they let it breathe. It's like, you don't need to rush this at all. Mm -hmm. The first just, season could literally be him trying to come to terms with the fact that, you know, he he now has to follow Konsu's mm -hmm. you know, directive. Like you can literally have that in him just doing a couple of detective cases and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to like, say that Disney should actually hire Markia to do this show because my biggest issue with this is like I and I've I you know I used to I was working in a comic when a shop newer stuff was coming out and I have read a bunch of it um it's super the early stuff is super racist and the mental health stuff is super problematic mm -hmm. so my biggest that's me being the bummer side and also Moon Knight is like a really overtly Jewish character. So, and the Egyptian ties. So I do, I, I love Oscar Isaac and I think it could be really cool. But Marquia's idea of having three different personalities, you could have an Egyptian actor, you could have a Jewish actor, you could have Oscar, you could have these different personalities that still represent it. My biggest dream for this show is that they do what they did with like Manape from Black Panther, who's a super problematic character, still from, from mm. one of the best runs of Black Panther. And they turn it into one of the best characters from the movie with Winston Duke, you know? If they can reimagine this in the, like the Bushmaster character who is the biggest rogue for Moon Knight, those drawings are just so offensive when you see the original ones, like so bad. So they need to bring that mindset of reimagining the stuff that is set up there to make it fit now. And Marquis apparently has a whole plan for it. So I'm like, Disney, Disney, <laughs> I got excited. I was literally sitting here like, oh, I'm gonna have to be the bummer again. And Marquis is talking about it. I'm like, hi, Marquis, that's the show. That's exactly, it sums up all the, the cause it's like- 
I would write the you could crap do, out of this. You could do it. And that's the thing. It does have space to be a show about mental health. It has a space if you want to actually look at colonialism and the idea of like th like thievery and, and that kind of stuff. Because I get that Oscar Isaac people have been saying he should be Indiana Jones, which I'll be very into for all, you know, Indiana Jones kind of reboot. I understand how Disney probably heard that and then thought about the origins of Moon Knight, which is kind of mercenary thief, like stealing ancient artifacts. But if you want to do that story in 2021 or 2022, you need to subvert it. Nobody wants to see that story about some like cool white dude who, or, or cool like guy who steals on for a Western museum and then gets a superpower. Like there's different ways to do it. And it's all about reimagining. And like I said, hire Markia because she she got the plans. This is something you've been thinking about. Yeah, I love that idea about the different actors portraying these different personalities as well. Because mm -hmm. I've seen some reports out there. They were also eyeing actors like Nick Kroll and David Diggs for the role. But just, yeah. just all three of them as the mm -hmm. different aspects of oh, Mark Spector. Be so fun. Because just having having those two in your brain would be phenomenal uh i have also, to say also that's a dream pandemic show even if you just do oscar playing three characters or you cast all three characters if you can build that show around just those three personalities you can be shooting in a way that's actually safe for people going forward and you can get that show made you know so i think that might be another reason why this one's been pushed up the Mm -hmm. the the well, especially kind of now that they have the Mandalorian, um, they've done all that pioneering in terms of virtual sets. Like they are, they were able to film their whole second season, and they're starting their third season while we're still in the middle of the pandemic. So, fingers mm -hmm. crossed that uh, they will be able to do this stuff safely, and uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have something new to watch so the Marvel Cinematic Universe can uh, keep on chugging along. Because otherwise, what are we going to do? Only getting one <laughs> offering a year? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Well, that said, um, yeah, I'm very excited. And uh, Kevin Feige, um, I will give you Marquia's contact information after this. Thank you. I know you're in the chat right now. You watch every episode. Thanks thanks so much for being a supporter, K-Dog. We really appreciate it. But now it's time for a little thing we like to call Nerdist News Trivia. We're done with the news for the day. So it's time for some good old-fashioned Nerdist News Trivia. Now, we here at the Nerdist News Talksback Institute for the Trivial Arts like to connect our trivia to the mm, barest of threads. So given that yesterday was the 42nd anniversary of John Carpenter's Halloween hitting theaters, we're going to celebrate with some Halloween trivia. So does my panel have a pen, pencil, or crayon, something to write with, something to write on? Fantastic. Okay, let us begin. So what was the original title for the movie Halloween? Was it A, All Hallows' Eve, B, Michael Came Home, C, The Babysitter Murders, or D, The Prowler? Which was the original title for the movie Halloween? A, All Hallows' Eve, B, Michael Came Home, C, The Babysitter Murders, or D, The Prowler? I like Babysitter Murders because it sounds like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like the next evolution of Netflix's sprawling babysitter-verse because they keep <laughs> making shows with babysitter in the name. All of those titles sound pretty good to me yeah. so yes. yeah, yes. producer adam best. cooked up uh I some, some wicked trivia today I took a yeah, guess this, too, this would so just this be the be best fun. title can read this out of that all right let's personal. let's see those answers folks i'm so sorry the answer was in fact c the babysitter oh, murders no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't we all got it wrong babysitter <laughs> 
was the one we were like, it was weird. It felt, <laughs> it felt too preposterous to be true. Yeah, it felt like but a Lifetime you movie, like you said, Rosie. It really does next feel like I'm a Lifetime. just writing it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just follow your heart. I'm yeah. sure that if right. I if I went on my TV right now and Googled it, I bet there's a Lifetime movie called The Babysitter Murders. I would bet on it. Oh, The Babysitters <laughs> yeah. on Netflix. There's one and two. I recommend I recommend them both, but uh, watch the first one first. Oh, yeah, there's a Which one has the murders? <laughs> both. <laughs> Triple feature oh, of the babysitters and babysitters club. <laughs> yeah, don't get them mixed up. <laughs> Shared universe. All right. Question number two: True or false? The Myers house was an abandoned home in South Pasadena that was later turned into a chiropractor's office. True or false? The Myers house was an abandoned home in South Pasadena that was later turned into a chiropractor's office. All right, let's see those answers. Because I want it to be true. I don't know. The answer, well, you're in luck because it's true. The yes. house has uh, been across yeah. the street and it was the Algeria Chiropractic Center for a few years, but it's currently unoccupied. I, I had a feeling I didn't see too many. Every Halloween, my Twitter is just full of people who like go to the Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street house. Go, and I hadn't seen that one. So I was like, I guess maybe it did get turned into a chiropractor. Yeah, they I had mean, a, so look, really you know, I should have said true thought. because it's so specific that it had to be true. <laughs> Just call me Columbo. I, <laughs> yeah, I really, really love the thought of somebody like getting like their, was it like, happened <laughs> <laughs> in the same place that like, <laughs> a different kind of bone crunching. Yeah, no, that's, wait, that's, that's yeah. how they, wait, that's, uh, I'm confused. It's a, the spine tingle okay. that you actually want. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Hopefully they played uh, the Halloween theme whenever in there. <laughs> Just in the waiting room constantly. <laughs> All right, question number three. Michael Myers' famous mask is actually a mask of this actor that was painted white. A, Jack Nicholson, B, William Shatner, C, Marlon Brando, or D, Richard Nixon. So Michael Myers' famous mask is actually a mask of this actor that was painted white. Who was the actor? Is it A, Jack Nicholson, B, William Shatner, C, Marlon Brando, or D, Richard Nixon? I feel like I had heard of this trivia, but I can't remember what it is. So I'm. I know the feeling. Okay. All right. Do we Just have our. Going for the scariest possible <laughs> one for this. The answer is B, William Shatner. Ah, so the production oh. designer, Tommy Lee Wallace, bought the mask for $1.98 uh, and then painted it white, and a horror icon was born. It, if you look closely, you can kind of see it, but like mm -hmm. it's it's more just upsetting to think that William Shatner's like, wait, that's supposed to be my face. That's Come on. like one of those, that's one of those things where I always remember like when I was a kid, it shifted. It was like, it was William Shatner's mask turned inside out. So they didn't need to paint it white or it was William Shatner's mask. And then they did something. Else. And that was like, that's like the one piece of trivia. I, I never knew until the internet, whether it was real or not. That was like mm -hmm. a, a peak, like, is it an urban legend? And then and I was Mandela like, this is great. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was one of those things that I just like absorbed through cultural osmosis long before I ever saw the movie. And I was always <laughs> like, oh, you know, fun fact about this movie I've never seen. <laughs> You're like, well, did you know? <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of did you know, Michael Myers isn't credited as Michael Myers. So what is his character credited as? Is it A, the shadow, B, the phantom, C, the being, or D, the shape? 
Michael Myers is not credited as Michael Myers. What is he credited as? Is it A, the shadow, B, the phantom, C, the being, or D, the shape? All right, do we have our answers locked here? Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's um, how, I mean, that's usually how I approach trivia as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's... Is not my dude, obviously. <laughs> no, should have gone with Austin Powers, um, but we'll do that next time. <laughs> all right. Rosie, you got it. The answer is D, the shape. <laughs> I actually, I feel like one, I'm a loser and this is the kind of stuff I know, but two, I feel like I've been you know that not the slum slumdog millionaire that movie that you shouldn't watch but in that the idea is everything that happens is like it's been leading to him knowing the answers it's my twitter fake. feed has just my twitter feed has just been giving me these answers i saw this hilarious argument about whether or not calling him michael myers or the shape like which one you should call it that was like two days ago <laughs> people were so mad about it it was it was very entertaining i can't people getting mad about something trivial on twitter doesn't sound real <laughs> I made it up. It was just a fun anecdote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number five, true or false? Carpenter originally started the script for Halloween as a sequel to the film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. True or false? John Carpenter originally started this script for Halloween as a sequel to the film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. I like, I don't know right. it, but I like yeah. that quite, I hope it's true. That's yeah. so we'll find yeah. out. This is more, yeah, this is more of a hope. I do that every time. Anytime it's one yeah, I don't know. Like, I keep doing the exact opposite guesses of you guys. Well, you're in luck because it is false. Oh. Carpenter was a big right. fan. He was a big fan of Canadian slasher film Black Christmas and got oh. permission to write a sequel from director Bob Clark and that script turned into Halloween. So, wow. oh, sorry, so Sundown fans. That's really cool trivia. Now Black Christmas yeah. is like one of the best movies ever made. So well done yeah. to him. Good yeah. choice. Is that, is, am I misremembering? Is Black Christmas the one that has garbage day? Yeah, 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 it is. And it's the it's the one where this whole movie is actually secretly about whether or not a girl should be able to get an abortion. It's just yeah. like this super they radical, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made it. Like, and you know what? I I enjoy the remake. And it the remake goes, was made by wacky. women. It gets super wacky at the end, but I yeah. appreciate it because that's kind of like that's the pulse of the original. I'm a big I'm fan being, of. I'm being told now as well that uh, the garbage day thing is Silent Night, Deadly <gasps> Night too. Oh, another Christmas. another Christmas themed uh, horror film. That I was one of the first horror movies that I saw when I was eight. Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's how I knew oh the about um, Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, what a way to find out. Oh my goodness. Santa's not real. And also maybe he's a murderer. In a really, <laughs> in a really grimy movie that is like, all those Silent Night, Deadly movies, they're barely horror movies. They're like horrible neo-noir crime movies of just like the most <laughs> depressing. I, I love them. They're so good. I definitely, I would have bet money on Garbage Day. I guess so many prank calls with no one saying yeah. anything. So little time. Look. If you want a depressing Christmas movie uh, that's also about crime, just watch Bad Santa. I mean, it's right there. Oh, yeah. And it's got a sequel. All right. Double depressing yeah. for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, definitely different reasons. Yes. All right. Question number six. Michael Myers is the villain of every Halloween sequel except for one. So what film does he not appear in? Is it A, 
Halloween 4, B, Halloween 3, C, Halloween Resurrection, or D, Halloween H2O? So which movie is Michael Myers not the villain of? Is it A, Halloween 4, B, Halloween 3, C, Halloween Resurrection, or D, Halloween H2O? Man, I watched Halloween H2O Can yesterday. Can you say the, so good. the ones after the first one again? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, B, I'm not going to do ABCD again. That's, that's <laughs> what this is. So B is Halloween 3, C is Halloween Resurrection, and D is Halloween H2O. Okay. I, I don't know if I'm right. I haven't seen all the Halloween movies, unfortunately. <laughs> Halloween sorry. H2O, I watched it yesterday. It's really funny. It's just like a teen private school drama, and Michael Myers is in it for like five minutes. But it's from 1998, <laughs> so Josh Hartnett has like his really bad faculty haircut, so it's oh like very gosh. nostalgic. It's I, I I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun, and it's really the canon is just baffling. Eric actually at Nerdist just wrote a really good theory about how you can make the canon make sense, because the Halloween canon makes no sense. Everyone's dying, everyone's coming back to life, like peak mm -hmm. horror movie stuff. Oh my gosh! Um, all right, let's see those. Uh, let's see those answers, folks. Uh, the answer is, in fact, B, Halloween 3, Season Thanks. of the Vavitch. Yeah. It's about a divorced doctor who stumbles on a malicious plot to turn children into piles of bugs by using Halloween masks that have pieces of Stonehenge implanted in them Watch by an that. evil business warlock. Also, there's androids. So, you know, just the makings of a classic Halloween jaunt. Classic. And the, the masks are just so iconic. The whole thing is just, it's wild. Yeah, and yeah. Then plus the fourth 3. one literally has the revenge of... Yeah. Michael Myers they and were like the just title. so you know they were like he's back he's back he, he, he yeah. promised like, he, like he's I said, back Mike now Myers, not my dude but I know that. <laughs> you knew where he wasn't in it because you don't like him you were like this one I, I, well, I'm a, you know I'm a Jason not a not a Mike Myers yeah Jason and so. Freddy I mean yeah although I'm I sure you watched the Freddy versus Jason Mike movies because he's not he's not a dumb stabber you know so right. appreciate that yeah, Michael Myers, he's really the, he's the, he is important because he is the precursor to a Jason, a never ending supernatural death machine. Yeah, some, somehow know. immortal in some way. Yeah, nobody knows why. And if you try and add it, it's ridiculous. It's like brought back to life by a psychic with an electric lightning bolt. That's actually well, he's real. In space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in space. I love he's Jason in space. X. Jason X, modern like, classic, and Freddy yeah. versus Jason. Good stuff. All right, let's get into some Michael Myers lore on this question, number seven. Perfect. After Michael Myers commits his first murders as a child, he's found by his parents wearing what Halloween costume? A, Darth Vader, B, a clown, C, a ghost, or D, Spider-Man. So after Michael Myers commits his first murders as a child, he's found by his parents wearing what Halloween costume? Is it A, Darth Vader, B, a clown, C, a ghost, or D, Spider-Man? I wish it was. I, I'm not gonna say that, but I, I have one that I wish it was that it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know what I want it to be, so that's what I'm writing. Always a good way to go. Yeah. Yes. Just a, a self-actualization. Like, did they change it in the reboot? I feel like they had a different one in the reboot than the, in the original. More than likely. Yeah. Rob Zombie. Now I'm confused over which one it is. Oh, that, it's fine. that and they added more aliens. Um, yes. and he stabs first. <laughs> he stabs first. <laughs> That was an important change. Mm. Yes, Mike Clunky was his new name. So he really <laughs> brought it full circle. Um, all right, let's see those answers, folks. 
I wish it was Spider-Man, but it was B, a clown. It was B, a it clown. It was B, a oh. clown. Although, Marquia, I do appreciate your uh, spooky answer of g -g ghost. <laughs> because, because I didn't want it to be a clown. <laughs> no one wanted to be a clown. Off. That's how you wind up being a supernatural murderer. Yeah, I feel like ghosts Always would have clowns. been very cool. Why do we do this yeah. to ourselves? Why is it clowns and teeth and things coming in and out of eyes? A little... No. A little Michael Myers in like a sheet ghost outfit would have just been very cool. I'm here for that. Just with when an oversized knife. Makia, add that to your Moon Knight. Just rewrite the retcon it. Have them yeah. watching a version of Halloween where he's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Halloween franchise has had many sequels, most of them middling to not great. Uh, but which one? Yes, well, look, I didn't write the question. Take that up with Adam. Uh, which one of these actors has never been in a Halloween sequel? Is it A, Paul Rudd, B, Buster Rhymes, C, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, or D, Adam Scott? So which of these actors has never been in a Halloween sequel? Is it A, Paul Rudd, B, Buster Rhymes, C, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, or D, Adam Scott? <laughs> Well, I know two of them, but I don't know two of them. So it's like a- I know, a right? Yeah, I'm pretty positive about one, but the others, I'm uh, not so sure about. It's fine. Figure it out. I'm gonna write who I hope was it. <laughs> You're like, I, I, I like I this person enough that I hope they didn't make that career mistake. <laughs> yeah, who knows, maybe I'll, they had a lovely time. Yeah, I'll watch my call it. I'll, 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 I guess I'll have to start watching um, the Halloween sequels as opposed to just knowing a couple of things about the original See? and watching that like a decade ago. <laughs> if you I want to, they're you. good nostalgic, like 90s and zeros trash. There's the, the, one of them, they're making a reality TV show in the old Myers place. And it is like <laughs> incredible. In H2O, LL Cool J, who's not part of this question, is written in and his sole role is a security guard who writes erotic fiction so most of the time he's just on the phone reading erotic fiction that he's I written. think I remember this I think I watched a scene <laughs> from this. What is that with LL Cool, LL cool J, J <laughs> reading erotica? Deep Blue Sea where he's like mm -hmm. in the camera be like here's how you make the perect omelette. <laughs> <laughs> this non sequitur. All right. All right um do we have our answers locked in? Yeah. Yes. Let's see them. I'm just because he was in Hellraiser I'm going for Adam Scott. You are correct. It is Adam Scott. Uh, I thought Adam Scott was in. That would have been. He's in. Not. He's in Hellraiser Bloodline, which Rosie brought up earlier in the episode, and I was like, "Uh oh, I wonder if they're gonna remember." I was. I, but, it would have been too powerful to have been in two bad horror sequels. Yeah, I, I knew Busta Rhymes was in it. I knew that. Yeah. Part. Back. He's in and, the reality. Uh, Gordon-Levitt's in everything. So it was He's like 50-50 for me if it was Adam Scott yeah. or Paul Rudd. Who was yeah, Paul Rudd? Who, yeah. Which one is Paul Rudd in? Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, he was in Halloween 4, I'm being told from uh, oh. producer Adam. Oh, Interesting. Very the one excited. I did watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, he's the guy that says, oh no, it's Michael Myers' revenge. Directly <laughs> the camera. Trademark. Yeah, yes. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he is the first kill in Halloween H2O, and he's a sassy kid who's been uh, kicked out of school, and he gets killed with an ice, uh, ice skate to the face. This doesn't surprise oh, me. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's, That's it's, a good okay. they do a lot I'm being of told now that producer Adam lied to me to write to my face. Uh, <laughs> it's actually Halloween 5, and he plays Tommy Doyle. 
Oh, oh. So they bring him back as a, oh, okay, okay. So he's, that's awesome. who Paul Rudd plays. Yes. Yeah, what's how, what's, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I well, think I missed that Well, moving on from that one. Uh, question number nine. We're almost done, folks. True or false, before making Halloween, John Carpenter, production designer Tommy Lee Wallace, and Michael Myers actor Nick Castle were in a rock band together. True or false? Before making Halloween, John Carpenter, production designer Tommy Lee Wallace, and Michael Myers actor Nick Castle were all in a rock band together. I'm doing a self-actualization answer on this one. Guys. Yeah, this is also one that I think true. It sounds great. Oh, I know what I want to write, but then I know what I want to be true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Screw it. I'm willing it to existence. Yeah. If all yes. three of us will it, it into existence. True. Well, you're in luck because it's true. Their yes! band is called the Coupe de Villes and the they have an excellent have. music video for Big Trouble in Little China. So <laughs> there you go. Incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's also, fun side note, uh, reminds me that one of my favorite video game composers, Nobu Yematsu, who did the Final Fantasy franchise for many uh, many iterations, has a rock band called the Black Mages, which you should also check <gasps> out. Okay, that's good. Oh, I need to moving check right out. along, our final his, his soundtrack for the Final Fantasy games. Yeah. They're so good. They're so good. They're so all on Spotify good. too. So you can stream them to your heart's content. Wow. Um, so question number 10, the fictional town of Haddonfield is in which state? Is it A, New Jersey, B, Massachusetts, C, Illinois, or D, Maine? So the fictional <laughs> town of Haddonfield is in which state? A, New Jersey, B, Massachusetts, C, Illinois, or D, Maine? This is a tricky trick question to a certain degree. Yeah, because I can't I confuse this I feel like with, I might get it wrong, but with my stabby guy that I enjoy. <laughs> All right, let's see those answers. Uh, the answer is, in fact, C, Illinois. Mm. Uh, yeah! There is. So Haddonfield in the movie is named after the real city of Haddonfield, New Jersey, where producer oh. and co-writer Deborah Hill hails from. That's right. Because it's real and you're just like, I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, so a friend of mine from college is from Haddonfield, the real one though. Um, all right, so our supercomputer is now tabulating the votes. I'm being told the Silver Shamrock Corporation has announced a winner. And Rosie, you are the winner of this Halloween trivia. Congratulations. First time ever that I won a trivia. Thank you. I, I mean, I love my amazing panelists. I feel like <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I took the spirit of Pinhead and you will never see me again because I sold my soul to win this trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, worth it. It's time for our 30-second soapbox, your chance to get whatever's off your chest, off your chest, talk about anything you want. So, Rosie, as our newly our newly uh, crowned Hallow Queen, uh, you are up first. What do you have for us? Uh, I didn't prepare for this, so I'm going to say, turn on that clock, and I'm going to tell Disney, hire Markia to write Moon Knight. <laughs> that I was seriously worried about that show. I, but I love all of her ideas. I think this is very cool. I think these places have already proven to be a hotspot for like people who are writing TV in a new framework and a new space. Kevin Feige would do a good deal to do that. And uh, yeah, hire Markia to write Moon Knight because I would then watch it. And I'll probably have to write about it anyway. So make it something I actually want to enjoy and don't have to be ragging on all the time. <laughs> 
All right, Kevin, I know you're in the chat still, so you heard it here second. You already heard it here first, <laughs> but now you've heard it twice, and a third time will make it legally binding. So hire Marquita to write moonlight. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I will just exactly. Well, my alt account is there to float the idea in chat as well, but uh, the real Kev Feige uh, 420 <laughs> is my third alt, but he's not the one that's in chat. Um, okay, moving right along, Marquia, um, you're up next. What do you have for us? Uh, I, I will say that Rosie, you will get all the exclusives uh, if I am ever on the Moon Knight project, which that would be that would be so incredible for so many reasons. Um, but I, I guess I'm just going to reiterate what I said at the top of all of this. Watch Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight because it mm -hmm. is literally everything that you would want in a, a horror movie let's say that you're more of a hostile type person where you're just like oh i like slashers i like saw you know jigsaw you know is the ish then it's like yes you're going to love uh demon knight let's say that you really loved the nun and you're like oh yeah because it's a really good extension of you know the insidious universe and da, 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 and, and i'm like oh okay great 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 cool 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 um you're going to love demon knight which predates this and does it better uh, I, I you know i can't i can't say it enough and you know follow me on social media let's talk horror <laughs> fantastic thank you so much and last but not least what do you have for us well you mentioned this in my intro but i recently launched a podcast called trekking through time and space which is a watch podcast for star trek and doctor who from the viewpoints of a doctor who fan and a star trek fan who are trying to introduce the other to their favorite sci-fi shows. I am the Doctor Who fan. <laughs> I am introducing Doctor Who to my co-host, Jacob Hall, who is a major Star Trek fan. And each episode we talk about an episode of Star Trek and Doctor Who. And we're going through Star Trek, the original series right now, as well as Doctor Who, the modern revival. And we're just gonna make our way through all the shows, including all the new Star Trek shows and going back to classic Who. So we're in it for the long haul. And if you're a fan of either of those shows, check us out on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the podcasting apps. Fantastic. I love that concept for a podcast as well, both the expertise and the sort of newcomer point of view for both those classic shows. So fantastic. Definitely going to check it out. Um, well, folks, thank you so much to my panel. Thank you to everyone who's tuning in. That's it for today's episode of Nerdist News Talks Back. I really appreciate everyone taking the time. And also make sure you check out today's episode of Nerdist Now because it's the conclusion of our two-part docu-series on the rise of queer wrestling. If you haven't seen it yet, highly recommend you give it a watch. They did a fantastic job with this. And with that said, we'll see you back here next Monday for a brand new episode of Nerdist News Talks Back at 2 p.m. Pacific live on Nerdist YouTube channel and Geek and Sundry's Twitch channel. But until then, stay safe. Be healthy and have a great day. Bye-bye.